Hello and welcome to The Big Chat, a podcast that champions individuals and businesses at the heart of their communities. Um, Making sure they understand how accountable they need to be in the business, but being positive throughout so that they literally love what they do. I think magazines will always be around. I think there'll always be a market for them. I think advertisers like being on paper. But in another way, it actually gave me that time to really grow and develop and, um, yeah, build it, basically. We try to communicate more with clients than most accountants do. The Big Chat. This is all about collaboration and giving people in our towns the chance to have their say, their way. Hello, my name's Nicole and welcome to another episode of The Big Chat. Oh, I did a kind of weird little wink there. Um, I'm very, uh, maybe that's why I'm twitchy because I'm I'm super excited to be talking to someone that's become a good pal of mine actually, I'd like to say, over the the last few weeks. Um, (laughs) But... More interestingly than that, for all of you, she's a, she's she's a journalist. She's a writer. She's I mean, she's written for some amazing publications and newspapers. Just she's been on TV. She's she's written books. She's ghost written books. She's written her own books, um, and she's got some exciting things that she's developing at the moment. So we were having a chat, and we thought, be- what better way to get it out to you, the general public, than to um, bring her onto the big chat and have a have a conversation about what she's doing? So I'd love to introduce you to Anna Wharton. Anna, hi, hi. What <laughs> an introduction! I, I know. I do like to do a bit of an intro. Very good Would you prefer I tailored it back a bit? No. Did I miss anything? You what did I miss? I don't. I don't think you missed anything. I think <laughs> you've done a lot, though. I mean, even when we yeah. spoke the other morning, yeah, it's like you were telling me what you've been up to and what you've done in the past, and there's a lot. Yeah, you you know we we are I think of of sim- similar eras in in the world. We are, yes. But you've you've done a lot. Have you? When you started out, sort of take us right back to the beginning because oh, you, we're going to talk about lots of things. But. Yeah, so um, yeah, I've been a journalist for about 25, 26 years. Mm-hmm. So I started on local newspapers and then I moved into magazines uh, like the weekly uh, women's magazines, that kind of thing. And yeah. then I went into national newspapers. Um, so I worked at The Sun <laughs> and I worked at the Daily Mail where I was an executive editor there. Yeah. And then when my daughter was born nine years ago, I went freelance. So that meant that I was writing for the newspapers, but I could write for all of them, like The Times, The Guardian, The Telegraph, Grazia and these kind of things. And mostly I'd write about my life. So I'd write about things that issues in my life and just talk about what's going on and issues of the day and things and then I started writing books for other people so Mm. I ghost ghosted memoirs of other people so the first one that I did was a woman who was born deaf and then went blind in her 30s and then had cochlear implants so she could hear for the first time when she was like 38 or something so imagine you've never heard your mother's voice you've never heard a piece of music Mm. you've never heard birdsong and I just thought, wow, this is amazing. I need to, you know, get into this. Mm. So as a ghostwriter, you're kind of occupying somebody's head. (laughs) You have to, like, get in there Mm. and write as if you are that person. So it's a really intimate relationship that you develop with your authors. Um, 
so yeah, it was really cool. And then um, after that, I ghosted a few more books. One of them was long listed for the Orwell Prize, which mm. is kind of the biggest political writing prize. That was um, a book about FGM. And then uh, I ghosted a book called Somebody I Used to Know, uh, which was the first memoir of somebody with dementia who was living with dementia. So it was really interesting to kind of look at the world from her point of view. Um, so I tend to do kind of strong women, yeah. strong female activists, and um, just people have really interesting stories. I don't do celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of people with really good life stories. People yeah. have got a message they want to get out there. And uh, yeah, and then I started writing my own book. So now I'm a novelist and my uh, debut. You like, you, you said you don't tend to write for celebrities. I don't tend to write for celebrities. No. Uh, what I tend to write yeah. is kind of strong female stories. Yes. Um, strong uh, kind of activist females mm -hmm. generally. Um, and yeah, people who want to establish authority in a certain field as well. So yeah. lots of my authors kind of were unknown when I started working with them. And then now they have a huge platform and they're on TV all the time and they've written um, other books and mm. they go around the world and, you know, it changes their lives. It really does. And do they, do, do, I'm interested, do these, do these, these women predominantly, do they find you or is it something that you find information about someone you're like, wow, that's really interesting story yeah. or is it a bit of both? Well, exactly. No, I find them. So okay. I've been lucky enough to work with people that I kind of cherry picked, I yeah. suppose, because I found their stories so fascinating. Wow. So Wendy Mitchell, who has dementia, I remember I was just scrolling on Facebook and I saw a video about what it's like to live with dementia. And I thought, oh, I don't want to know about that. It's a bit depressing. And then mm. I thought, well, I'm a writer, so obviously I need to, I now need to go back and look at it because it's piqued my interest. So I watched it and then thought, wow, that's so fascinating. Everybody needs to know this. It's really inspiring. So I contacted her and asked her if she'd be interested in doing a book. And so, yeah, but her book sold all over the world. We had a huge Amazing. deal in America and all over lots of about 13 different countries. And she has another book coming out in January. That's so, brilliant. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's, but and, and I mean, like you say, it's things that your pe people have got a really strong message mm. and they're strong people. Yeah, definitely. And it helps so many people. I mean, with uh, the dementia book, um, somebody I used to know, I think... I mean, we, we were in all the newspapers, it was mm. reviewed, it was on all the TV shows, mm. and it was a Sunday Times bestseller, Rich and Judy book club pick, Radio 4 book of the week. But I remember reading one review of a woman who was waiting for a, a diagnosis of dementia, and she said, having read that book, I now think, like, bring it on, bring on the challenge. Wow. So that, for me... Is just, everything. Yeah, it's, it's more... I mean, the prizes are nice and yeah. accolades are nice, but to have a woman who's facing a diagnosis and feels she can not only uh, face it now, but, you know, embrace the challenge, mm. I think that's everything. Well, it's making a real impact, isn't it? It is. Through your words. I know, right? Through the written words. <laughs> so so you and you're a novelist. yeah. <laughs> yeah there's not going to be any funny noises going on from our podcast producer Giles Payne Phillips he's up to some tricks this morning is all I can say um, so you're yeah so you're a novelist as well so what what do you write about when you're not ghostwriting so what's your my debut novel was out in April and it was it is called The Imposter um it is the story of Chloe who works in a local newspaper archiving stories um, and she becomes a little obsessed with one story in particular, which is a five-year-old girl who went missing 25 years ago. 
So she would be the same age as Chloe is now. And yeah, when her nan goes into a care home because she has dementia, she decides to kind of fall into this story and she ends up going to live with the family of the missing girl. Yeah. Wow. I know, right? And then once she gets in there, into the house, it's kind of like, who's the most dangerous here? Oh my God. I know. I'm getting like this whole like vibe off you, Anna. I didn't even know it was there. Know, it's amazing. The dark one. <laughs> the dark fr- <laughs> This is where I, I knew there was a reason why we got on. <laughs> what? How long did it take you to write this book? Oh my god, I nearly swore then. Um, seven right. years. Seven years. Oh, it was awful because I had to keep stopping to write other people's books. Sure. So, um, and writing a novel is a torturous process. I, I bet. I mean, it's something that you feel compelled to do, mm. but it's not. <laughs> it's mostly not enjoyable. It's awful. And, you know, it requires a lot of hand-holding as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and also, you know, with my ghosted, the authors that I ghost, I mean, that requires a lot of hand-holding because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's a long journey to go from uh, telling your story, sharing it with somebody else, pinning the words to the page. Yeah. I mean, the two things are quite different because obviously when you're writing a novel, you're creating characters, you're creating worlds, you're creating a setting... And you're creating a plot and you want to have a really good twist if it's mm. that kind of book. But when you're um, doing your memoir, I mean, that's equally as exposing. So, yeah. But, I mean, where do you, the ideas, did you did you have a sort of idea, a concept? Because seven years is obviously, it's quite a long time in the making. Yeah. So did that change along the way? Oh Maybe God, influences, yeah. like you mentioned, dementia, d- d- dementia. Did those, did you sort of pull on some resources that you were learning yeah, along the yeah. way and so integrate I, those in? I was um, doing an MA in creative writing at the University of East Anglia at the time um, when Wendy Mitchell's book came out, the, uh, somebody I used to know. And... Um, and I was looking for my twist for my novel, which I'd been searching for for all these years. And I, I was in creative writing workshops, so I was um, sharing my work with other people. And it finally came to me, like, the moment. And, I mean, that appeared, that twist appeared in draft seven. I mean, so I'd written that book seven times. That's 700,000 words. Goodness me. And then finally I had the eureka moment. And I, I tested it with all my um, workshop buddies yeah. and I wrote the whole plot out and then I saved the twist on the end and got everyone to guess what you think the twist is. And out of, you know, 11 people, nobody guessed. So it's like, great, well, I'm onto something now. Um, so it's a real, and it is a collaborative process as well. Like uh, writing is a lonely process mm. because it's just you in your pajamas, scratching your head and looking out the window. So if you've got people, you can bounce ideas off um, mm. and share ideas um, and test things and readers who look at things. And if you've got pe- somebody who is actually published, which we had because all our tutors were published, mm. um, then that's even better. Did you always want to write? Was that always your passion? Yes, absolutely. I was very lucky that I knew what I was going to do. Yeah. I left school at 16 and because I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't see any point in going to university when all I wanted to do was be a writer and um yeah I wrote a substack about this the other day actually about how I just always wanted to be a gen- a, a writer and mm. I wrote about my story um from I did some really 
like rubbish jobs just to be a writer, you mm. know, just to get in with the company at whichever level I could that owned all the newspapers, just so, and I worked for free and I used my annual leave to go and do work experience and just kept going, I want to be a writer. And then I manifested it. You did, well, exactly, <laughs> that's it. Talk about this Substack, for those who oh. don't know what Substack is. Yeah, I, have, I only recently discovered it myself. Mm. It's, um, it's kind of like a blog newsletter, I suppose. It's a hosting um, platform. Mm. So if you find someone interesting that you want to follow, uh, you just subscribe to their Substack. So you don't get, um, it's not like a site like Facebook or Twitter or anything. But if the person that you're interested in writes an interesting uh, a newsletter, it comes straight to your inbox. Mm-hmm. And also the other thing about it is that it has um, a comment section. So, you know, I write about kind of issues of the day, the same kind of things that I write for national newspapers mm-hmm. I put on my Substack. And often newspapers are behind paywalls and things. So mm. you kind of get to see what I'm writing. Mm. Or I write lessons for writing, but I realize that my writing lessons tend to be life lessons as well. And I just use my experience and experience of others um, as, a, as a springboard. So while I was waiting to come on today, I was just sitting in my car writing a thing about how comparison is the thief of joy and how uh, it's really hard as a writer not to be jealous of other people mm. um, and their successes are your, you know, you could see them as your failures. And, mm. and I think all of us feel a bit like that. Of so course. So yeah, my, I use my Substack for issues of the day and uh, writing lessons and book-related things, feminist rants, that kind of thing. And to- um, you were talking the other day, and I know this is a, a, a big thing that we were going to talk about today as well, about the, sort of the, the, the joy of play and how we've sort of lost yeah. a bit of that in our lives recently. And yeah. that you did a Substack. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I was, um, I'm working with another writer at the moment. We're working on a TV treatment. So a treatment is if you think you've got a great idea for a drama, you put together a synopsis of each episode and you, then you you know, flog it to a TV production company. And we the, the, the TV idea that we're working on is based on fact. It's something that happened um, in the 1930s, which I didn't know about. It's, it's so exciting. It involves MI5 and royalty and assassination attempts, and it's really cool. Um, but we had to kind of broaden out that story to... Um, because this guy was married, but he was also having an affair, and there were spies involved. But you have to kind of um, broaden out the story, broaden out the characters. Ask yourself, what do they want? What you know, and, and you end up creating worlds and characters and relationships. And it was just so nice to play. And you know, kids do this. You mm. know, our kids come and tell us silly stories, and they sit with their Barbies and make up stories. Or if they want to get themselves out of trouble, <laughs> they make up stories. Mm. But we don't do that so much as adults. We don't just let our imaginations run wild and play. And mm. and we can. I mean, it's kind of like having a little holiday for your brain to just make up stories. So there's one workshop that I do where I get. Um, a bunch of people together and we have a bunch of old newspapers and a pile of scissors and we just start by kind of cutting out stories or headlines or words or pictures or anything that we um just piques our interest 
And then we just sit around and make up stories about these and, you know, how far can we push it? What's the twist? Who's this person? What do they want? Who are they married to? You know, what do they hate? And you just have a good oh, play. Oh, it's like a giant jumble of gossip. and Exactly. Just like, it just, you let your imagination, like you say, like, oh, what are they like as a person? Yeah. And it's because we don't play like that anymore, do we? And no. we, we both have daughters the same ages and yeah. they're pretty, they're pretty, they're quite fiery I'd say our daughters quite little powerhouses but my daughter when she does writing she's like doing all these stories like you say and I'm just like and there's no reason for us to stop telling stories and you know and people who want to write me you don't have to come to this workshop Mm. just because you want to be a writer you Mm. can come just to have some creative play but if you do want to write you'll always leave with a poem a short story idea Mm. a novel idea you know the start of a plot or an interesting character so it's a really nice way to because because always writers are asked where'd you get your ideas from and that's where we get our ideas from. We get our ideas from sitting around the pool, chatting with our mates. Or yeah. we get our ideas from reading a story in a newspaper. Um, and also, uh, you're always thinking, how far can I push this story? What, you know, what dark twist can happen? And yeah. So, yeah, it's really exciting. So the workshops that you do at the moment, you do, you've been doing workshops... You've been doing workshops for quite a long time, haven't you? But there's a new yeah. thing that you're going to be doing. Well, it's not new, but you're going to be starting to do, isn't there? Oh, yeah. So um, so the the workshops are kind of ongoing. Um, so I'm doing one at Flow yeah. um, Yoga. Yeah. I'm doing one there soon. Uh, also, I do mentoring. So if people want to write, whether it's their memoir or they want to get into fiction, I do one-to-one mentoring where I have kind of small groups of people. So it's kind of a really safe space but they have a one-to-one with me uh, each week and we discuss their writing see where they got stuck that week and then we also have a group a closed group where I can share so say for example somebody had problem with dialogue what do you how do you do dialogue what are the tips then we can share that kind of stuff so everybody um, you know get something from it um, and also sharing work is can make you feel really vulnerable. Yeah. So, so not everybody wants to do that in a big group. Yeah. And somebody would rather do that one-to-one. So I'm creating this little writing nook. Um, I love the fact that you're calling it a nook. I know. I just like that. Yeah. It's cute. And it's just a really cosy space <laughs> at the end of my garden where um, people can come and... Um, sit with me mm. we can um, talk craft so if they're stuck on something or they don't know where to start we can do that together uh, writing exercises we can have groups there um, we can have reading groups yeah. we can have writing groups um, or it's a place for them to just have kind of uh, some quiet time to write but they have me on hand yeah which is great serving tea coffee and biscuits no doubt amazing I know and they get to see all your beautiful things in your house. You've got such, you've got such, I do. I just love all your things. I just, when I first came over, I was just like, oh, look, all your art. And I just, I just think it's just a reflection of, uh, people's homes are their sanctuaries as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, even where they work, it's a, it's a reflection of them in some way, shape or form, if they're creative. So I can only imagine what your writer's nook's going to be like. I think it'll be very cozy and very interesting. And not real. Uh, <laughs> but no, but just and fairy lights, yeah. And just um, where you can be expressive, yeah, like a whole wall of cork for you to pin your whole plot to, and it's amazing, um, yeah, like yeah. I mean, would I? I always find that. So this would be an interesting thing for you to answer for me. 
uh, you know, my vocabulary is is limited. You know, there's certain words that I will just use a lot. That you know, I I always use too many exclamation marks. I know you're not meant to use three, and I I just say to everyone, I don't care. I'm doing that. That's just my thing. Yeah. But you know, I'll say wow and amazing, phenomenal and epic and all these words. Yeah. What would you, if you were going to be a writer? Say if I decided I wanted to write a book, yeah. I was like, I'm going to write a book. Yeah. Is is the best way to widen your vocabulary or to widen your use of words to read? Would you say? Oh, of course, any. I mean, I mean, I know that makes logical sense, yeah. but I don't have. My sister has a and my son, lucky thing, they have photographic memories. You know, they just literally absorb things. Whereas I get flustered and forget someone's name who I know very dearly. Do you know what I mean? So I don't feel like my brain retains knowledge as best it does but I guess it's like a muscle the more that you use it yeah. the more it, it retains reading is you know none of I us do read by the way <laughs> but you yeah, know but, reading but not is enough. the answer yeah. to being a writer yeah if you want to be a writer you have to be a good reader yeah um so it will expand your vocabulary it will um expand your creativity mm. um I remember when I went to do my MA at, um, at university and my editor at Bloomsbury at the time thought I was teaching the MA because she's like, why are you going? But I went to read. I went that's to have a wider reading uh, list as well. Mm. And that's that's what I got out of it. So, yeah, totally reading. But also remember that if you're doing your own memoir, the most important thing, especially when I'm ghosting somebody, is to capture their personality. Yeah. So if you are that kind of person... Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I mean, mark, which, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll cut a little bit of those. Maybe just a couple of exclamation marks. (laughs) But it's also, you have to, that's how people connect you. Whether it's in this kind of environment or in your words. So they have to hear your voice. So don't be afraid to express yourself in that way. There aren't any rules. You know, you learn the rules Mm. to write and then you break the rules um, because you're doing it your way. And that's how we all... um, make great new books and Mm. that's how we'll break into new fields and genres so it's you know you don't there's no one way no but it's good to i mean how many books do you how many books do you think you've read oh my god come on that's a question for you how many books do you think you've read how many books could you read in a day Oh, well, you know, I probably only read one book a day. But there are days when I will just sit. <laughs> only and, one a day. Well, yeah, but I, would, but I let myself. And the thing is yeah. that people feel guilty for reading. Mm. I don't. I mean, luckily, it's my job to read as well. But some days I just want to sit and uh, completely absorb myself in a book and yeah. in a different world. And that is like a holiday. And I think that we all, after the year and a half that we've had, we all need a little holiday. Mm. I mean, how much better is it to... A brain holiday, basically. Yeah, a brain holiday. Yeah. And how much better is it to sit and read a book all day rather than scroll Twitter and scroll and look at pictures of people that you went to school with 30 years ago on Facebook and their holidays? I mean, I kind of think it's better to read a book. Totally. And all, but also, like you say about losing your imagination, because I, te- I tend to read a lot of books that are you know they're either educational or you know inspirational but I don't don't lose myself with my imagination enough and a friend of mine who's also a writer she said to me just go just Faye Weldon she rediscovered Faye Weldon that's your friend yes just but literally <laughs> literally she was just like oh my god why why do we stop reading all these books you know yeah. years ago I was reading them when I was a teenager mm. and it was just rediscovering that sort of really losing yourself yeah. in that imagination like you said again and, and that also play. reading books that you read as a teenager when yes. your life moved on yes I mean 
we kind of understand. I'd love to read those Judy Bloom books again. Judy Bloom, <laughs> goodness me. Yeah, there's a couple of other books I could think of that I'm not going to mention. But you're right, because it's even like watching um, something on the television or, or a, you know, I mean, The Matrix makes a lot more sense to me now than it did 20 years ago. My son watched The Matrix and it made sense to him straight away. And I was like, okay, there's some progression there. But it's, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. really interesting to revisit things. But I think also just rather than just, it's it's good to have a mix rather than one thing or, or the other when yeah. you're reading. Yeah, I mean, I the memoir that I ghost tends to be quite novelistic. Mm-hmm. So I I tend to approach that because I think it's a really good way of... Co- if you've got a message mm-hmm. that you want to impart, it's actually a really good way to connect a reader with that by making a, a memoir or an autobiography sound like a novel because mm-hmm. and be quite filmic mm-hmm. in... Um, the scenes that you're describing or the emotions you're describing because then you're almost connecting with somebody and um, they're not having to do the hard work. This story is just washing over them and but yet they're learning at the same yeah. time. So I find um, that's a really good way of, of kind of uh, educating people without those really tired like non-fiction books that I read too but you're right they're kind of hard work it can be if it's just all you're reading I think it's a little bit it just becomes hard work it's all balanced it's all balanced exactly and what about audible do you listen to oh my god I love audible do you do you listen to a lot so you listen to a lot of books as well as read my day is I mean every day I read three newspapers Mm. um every day uh, you know if I'm walking somewhere I'm listening to audible listen to a book on audible Mm. um and then I'm ending the day or I'm writing all day and ending the day you know reading a book in bed so but I love audible and some people don't want to sit and read a book some people don't have time to Mm. but um yeah audible's great I love it I have a subscription it's and also I think you know like podcasts as well I love it I always used to be my sister lives in Wales and I'd go and drive to Wales and it'd be like a really long drive or go and see my mum and it'd be Mm. like oh my god it's so long now I love it because I can listen to podcasts I can Mm. listen to books it just uh, it, for me driving is I mean not the moment you can't get anywhere but at the moment it's 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 great just to be able to listen to to, yeah. to consume from so many different places you yeah, know whether yeah. it's at home doing the washing up driving your car walking the dog whatever it is we can get that information in so many ways can't we I have to tell you a funny story about when I was listening to my own book on audible I mean, do you think that must have been? Are you allowed quite, to do that? Of course, you're allowed. They really don't say, "Are you the author? <laughs> you must not listen." <laughs> anyway, I was I was listening to my book on Audible, and and um, the actress who was reading it had made my one of the characters, Patrick Kyle, who's like the father of the missing girl. She gave him an Irish accent, so I'm lying in the bath listening to it, and then he starts talking this Irish accent. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's not how I imagined it that's not how he sounds (laughs) but the thing is he's a second generation uh, of an Irish immigrant family so he I could understand why she'd done it because in his dialogue Mm. he speaks with that kind of inflection but his accent is a Fen accent which is I don't know if you know what a Fen accent is no I don't think I do well I suppose it's a little bit like a Somerset accent it's got that kind of Somerset twang. Yeah, a little yeah, twang. Yeah. Um, so he certainly isn't Irish, but it's really weird as a novelist to hear somebody bring your novel to life on Audible and then be like, wait, what? <laughs> so do you not get input in that then? Do they well, not I picked s- the I picked the actress. Yeah. So they sent me a few and said, you know, who do you... Who would you like? Yeah, so I, I did know she was doing it, but they just go off and record it for a few days. And yeah. then I heard it when it came out 
on uh, you know on Audible when it was published. But how was that experience other than obviously that? How was that experience listening to your own that novel? Really cool. Yeah, I imagine it would be actually. Because the thing is, when you're writing, a lot of the time when you're writing as a novelist, you're thinking, is anyone buying this? Like, mm. is anyone believing this? Mm. Because the magic between you and the page mm. doesn't exist. Uh, because you're making it up so yeah. it's really hard to buy into that um but when you uh are listening to it the magic returns mm. it's really nice i was really invested in that story even though i knew what was gonna happen and did you listen to all of it yeah start to finish yeah oh that's i think that's rather wonderful i oh, rather like that that's good yeah so so talk to me a bit more about your nook your little nook writer's nook yeah. so how like how, how is this going to work is this going to be for adults is this going to be for children is going to be for anyone like you say you can mentor you're going to do groups so it's going to be a mix of things yeah yeah I think it's a mix I mean it's really going to depend on what people want as well mm -hmm. because the mentoring I think works really well for those who want that one-to-one -one. I mean everybody kind of you know has a one-to-one -one contact but mm -hmm. some people just want to they're venturing into writing and they just want that hand holding yeah which is the same like I said that I give to my authors that I ghost um but then also yeah kids I mean teenagers um to improve their creativity at school and it's not just and yes it would improve their writing um mm. at school but also um just it filters creativity begets creativity so yeah. the more creative you are the more creative you become. So I mean, true. sometimes I listen to, well, I listen to music a lot, and that, that makes me very creative just because I love the way people, I mean, songwriting blows my mind, not in terms of the words, but in terms of the music. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's, you can do small things in your everyday to be more creative, whether it's listening to a piece of music or the other day on my Twitter, I posted a friend of mine reading her flash fiction stories. That's like three minutes. You just mm -hmm. sit down, have a cup of tea, listen to somebody read you a story and then get on with your day. But for the rest of the day, you've got these characters swimming around. So I think it would be really nice to explore short stories mm. because often when you are you have a group of people doing short story workshops, that's really interesting. Mm. And you end up um, talking about issues, life issues, Definitely. what that story throws up for you. It's not always just how to be a writer, mm. but obviously there you know, if you want to be a writer or if you already are a writer and you want a mentor, you want mm. somebody to bounce ideas off, if you want to be a writer, then, you know, we can do all that work together in terms of how to write dialogue, how to set scenes, those kind of things. But just if you want to learn about books, if you want to learn about how to be more creative, I mean, there's like lots of fun games, especially that it would be nice for teenagers as well because yeah. I haven't done too much work with teenagers. I used to go into schools and speak to them about it. But um, yeah, there's lots of really nice tricks to do. And it'd be so fun to do that with a group of teenagers, come up with stories and yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's a way, it's like, it's like with all things, isn't it? It's a way of expressing themselves and just let, letting loose for a bit, actually. Yeah. It's doing something different. Yeah. But it's also, it will also be a quiet space. Yeah. That, and I think... Lots of people want to escape from their house, yes. having been locked into it. So it's a quiet space. It's some you time to go into the nook, to feel safe, to write. You've got somebody on hand who's been published and yeah. to ask questions if you get stuck or to listen to your words, to offer suggestions and uh, to read your work. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's I think it's a great idea. I absolutely love it, as you know. Yeah. Is it with writing books as well? Do you think there's you have you got many more books in you to write? I mean, is it oh, they, do, who is the person that says everyone has a book in them? Oh, everyone says that. Does everyone say that? Is yeah. that a thing? And is it go, true? You can write my story. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. Yeah, it yeah. is true. Everybody's got something they want to write about. Mm. Um, so I've just finished writing my second novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so my agent is selling my wares at the moment as we speak. <laughs> and um, But uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's got something. I mean, mm. I've got life experiences that I mean I with my Substack, I I share my life experiences and use them as a springboard to mm. you know when I write for uh, newspapers like I wrote a piece of the Telegraph the other day which was sharing something about my life and and then branching out and and talking to other people I wrote a piece in the Observer actually mm. um a couple of months ago about um not having a sense of belonging and I heard from so many people who said oh my god you know finally you said how I've been feeling my whole life mm-hmm. and this was based on the character in my novel so it's just everybody has these things it's just only a few of us <laughs> are sharing them publicly but not everyone has to share them publicly but it's very cathartic experience to share your story so you, have you, yeah, I mean, that's like, because I talked with a guest earlier about vulnerability and showing your vulnerability and, and sort of showing up with that. Because mm. that, is that something that you've always done through your writing, through your own writing? Yeah. Have you always been happy with showing that vulnerability? Yeah, I mean, you I, know, sharing on your own experiences, I mean, I in suppose, that sense. Yeah, I am different in that way that I have always shared, mm. overshared, I might say. Um, oh, I can't overshare, <laughs> can you? I'm, so I'm kind of used to that and I, you know, I've read the comment sections in national newspapers and I've seen what they've written. It's not always favourable. Mm. <laughs> that can be difficult, mm. but not everybody has to do that. So they could share with me, but there's a certain responsibility that you have if you are, if I'm working with um, an author that I'm ghosting, yeah. or if I'm working with a, a mentee, or if I'm working with a group that you can't, if people are going to open up to you, mm. You have a responsibility to create a safe space for them to do that. Often people can't see the wood for the trees. So they're like, yeah, I know I've got a story, but I don't know where to start. And it's like, I kind of always imagine it as going into somebody's head. They've got all these files, paperwork everywhere. It's really messy. And they need someone to just go in and go, okay, we're going to create this pile here, this pile here, blah, blah, blah. We're going to file it all away. There you go. Mm. And I think that's why it is a cathartic experience Mm. because... It's difficult when things are happening you to you to see the wood for the trees because it's just all happening. And especially with life experiences you've had, you know, you know I behave a certain way because this happened when I was a child. But where do I start with writing that down? And I think it's almost, it, it is a therapy. I yeah. mean, I, I've been sitting in people's living rooms for the last 25 years listening to their stories. Yeah. And I've stayed in touch with a lot of those people. A lot of them are my best friends, you know, to this day. Yeah. Um, so... You can't just go in, get what you need, get out again. It's that's why I suppose I describe it as hand holding. Yeah. Because it's a really vulnerable experience to and I always warn my authors when we start working together, this is gonna feel uncomfortable because mm. I'm gonna ask you questions and perhaps things that you don't want to answer. Um and I remember with Wendy, uh, well all of them, all of them, there's always been a point where they didn't want to talk about something yeah and I've had to 
really gently coax it out of them and they felt better for it you're you're very good at that i mean i, I know. <laughs> you're like you are good at that i definitely and i think as well some something i sort of mentioned to a mutual friend of ours very early on when i met you was just that you you always take time you know i'm always in a rush i'm always rushing around doing this doing that and everything but you're someone that would be like well, you've got have you got time for a cup of tea and it's really nice actually well you know you've got time for a chat and I'll just sit and have a ch- and it'd be like oh this is nice we're getting to actually have a chat and you've got you you know you have that I don't know you create some space there for people to communicate it's nice which is to be heard isn't it of course absolutely but sometimes it takes someone else saying that to you yeah. you know we all want it we all want to have that time to sit down and have a chat but I guess that's part of your craft as well, is that you've you've been doing that with people and you've been enabling them to slow down a bit and tell their story yeah. and, and hear, listen, you're good at listening. You must be good at listening to be a writer. Yeah, I know yeah, that. Yeah, and I like stories. I mean, yeah. I, I, whenever someone starts So you're talk- just nosy. Well, I'm nosy, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. You just wanted to nose into my life. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you work on a national newspaper, when I was there, yeah, exactly, yeah. we were the first to know the stories. Of course. I mean, it was before internet. So, yeah. uh, you know, we, the stories would come through first. It was so exciting. It is really satisfying if you're yeah. nosy. But also just love stories. So I of get course. really excited when people tell me stories. And I start thinking, you know, we're not between friends. Yes. But if they want to, if they want to, to write something, I'm like, okay, yeah, they could start here and they can do this and blah, blah, blah. And, and I just think that people want to be heard. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily want to go to therapy, but they know there's some stuff they'd like to work mm-hmm. through and they'd like to do that within their writing. Yeah. And I think that that you can do that, like journaling and mm. writing and sharing those experiences where you know that that's not going to go any further. Yeah, it's um, really nice. Yeah, and just like yeah, within friends of friendships, of course, it's so yeah. nice to be heard. It, it's so nice, but it just it was just something that I'd noticed, you know, during during sort of coming out of lockdown, mm. and everyone's sort of rushing around and dropping off, aren't we? We're all dropping mm. off, picking up and stuff like that. Mm. But it was just I was just very early on. I was like, oh no. She's, she's, I like I like Hannah. She likes to sit. You know, should we sit down? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll sit down. We'll have a chat. Yeah, this this is quite good. I don't have to go a million miles an hour you all are, the time. Yeah, you are a million miles an hour. Yeah, and you don't and you don't need to be. You see, I'm also a, a writer hermit, so I'm just in my house. I was going to I was going to touch on this. Away. I was going to touch on this. So any human contact <laughs> is always much appreciated. But you did say you quite like being a hermit. I do love being a hermit. See, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. But I tell you what, when lockdown came and we were all locked in our houses, I was really smug about it. Like, <laughs> ah, this is my life anyway, so it's no different to me. <laughs> and then I just slowly through lockdown just thought, yeah, that's not cool, Anna. Like, it's actually mm. better to be out in the world than your life reading, writing, you know. So I think that. That's an interesting reflection to have on lockdown then. So some people are learning that actually they want to be in more or chilling out more yeah. or doing that. But you're actually a bit more like, well, actually, I, I love I being a hermit, but I also quite like yeah. interaction. I definitely started out really smug about it. Well, it's no different for me. I didn't go to London for work anyway, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. And then like, yeah, it's not cool, I know. You need to... Brought up stuff for all of us, I guess, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, some people want to stay in more. Some mm. people want to go out more. Mm. And... Um, and I think people, it, because it gave us that chance to stop and reflect, I think it's thrown up a lot of things for Definitely. people um, within relationships, within families. Mm. 
and a lot of people have had a change of career definitely they a want lot to pursue things that they've always wanted to and mm. dreamt of so here i am so here you are <laughs> the 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 writing nook writer's nook fairy yeah. yes. that you're going to be yeah so if people want to find out more about how to get involved, I mean, also, you know, as I mentioned to you as well, I mean, look, we're an agency, we write for people and it's mm. most of it's like business, PR, whatever, but mm. I'm always interested in mm. learning all the time. So it's this is open to anyone really, isn't it? This yeah. is like community, children, teenagers, adults, mentoring, businesses, yeah. workshops, parties, Oh really? Kids, well, what, kids parties? Like, no, not kids oh, parties. God. But if you wanted, to, if you wanted, you could have groups of people that might a party of people yeah. that wanted to come together and do some writing to get like a book club. You yeah, mentioned, yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. You could literally open the floor up to anything. Just thinking, I've spent like nine years avoiding kids parties. I was just thinking how you just <laughs> want to be a hermit, and now you're like opening your garden. It was just the, kids, the bottom. It was just the idea of kids parties. But if it's not kids, I mean, no I'm kids parties. Five year old. We're not doing kids parties. No, I was just imagining myself in like a clown outfit and like a flower that. that squirts water or something no no, no. um yeah so busy- that's not what we're going for here so, <laughs> so for example i've been writing polemic for newspapers for my entire career mm. so that's a, a column so there might be people business people who want to write columns to establish authority mm-hmm. they might then want to pitch them to newspapers mm-hmm. which they could do or they might want to do what i do which is a substack post or they might host a website and want to do a blog um a, a regular blog that's great that's so good to know. they could have an interview with me and mm-hmm. then i can write them a blog post in the same way i would for the daily telegraph yeah. make it sound great lovely and you know as an editor at the daily mail i know how to do this i've edited you know people my whole life so so that so yes you're right it's it's for those kind of people it's for perhaps parents Mm -hmm. who think oh i just feel like my child needs a little bit more creativity Mm. in their life i want them to i don't feel that what they're getting at school really delves into a book or Mm. delves into their ability to write creatively it's for people who want to write their own books um and they don't know where to start um so and they want that one-to-one or they'd rather be part of a group or it's for people who just want to come along to a workshop at somewhere like flow uh, or, or my little writing nook and just have some creative play and make up stories and have a laugh and share some of their own stories i mean it's always really fun I love that. And also, like you mentioned about flow with Lucy McNeil at Flow Yoga. So if there's any other people that are listening that think, oh, that would be a really nice thing to have at my... Yeah. They can contact you about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how do they contact you, Anna? Right. <laughs> how do they contact you? No phone numbers, please, live on, the, <laughs> live on this, please. No phone numbers today. So um, my Substack, they can subscribe to my Substack. Yeah. So... Um, it's just Anna Wharton at Substack, I we think. I mean, it's not it's that. not an email address, but if you go onto Substack, um, substack.com mm-hmm. and type in Anna Wharton, W-H-A-R-T-O-N, then you'll find my newsletter and you can subscribe. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at yep. Wharton's Words. I like that. Yeah, I know. At the same on Instagram, at Wharton's Words. I, um, I still like that. I know. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, do you want email addresses? Or? No, I think that's everything. I think they can definitely find you or they can they contact us. Me, yeah. But, yeah, I think, well, it's really great. I, I I love the fact that you are sharing all this creative knowledge that you've got over the years and helping other people with it. It's really exciting. I think yeah. it's, um, 
you know, like we mentioned when we were talking the other day, it's great when we can pull on our experiences Mm -hmm. and then use them to help other people. Mm. I think that's brilliant. And writing is just, there's something really cathartic about writing, I think. I definitely need to do more reading. Yeah, well, well then um, let's have a reading group. I'm <gasps> totally up for a book club, seriously. Okay, let's do a book club. I'm really up for a book club. Our guest that we just had on is totally like, she brought a book in and yeah, I'm totally up for a book club. Let's do, let's do a book club. Yeah. Can we do a sort of big chat slash writer's nook book yeah, club? Yeah, that kind of sounds quite cool. Great. Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, information for that will be really received later on today. Um, but no, I mean, I'm up for that because honestly, I think that's, I think it's a lovely thing yeah. to... And, you know, as we all do, I'm always taking pictures of books and sending them to my friends. Have you read this? Have you read this? Or even sending friends books. I think that's a beautiful gift. If you've written a, oh, yeah. read an amazing book oh, my go- and gift. Oh, my gifts of books. I love oh, that. Yeah. I love that. I have another I book. Even... Is that book for me, your book? Of course. <laughs> it was, it was. I even. Of course. I've my signed copy for you there, Nicole. <laughs> I've even um, sent uh, people gifts like socks. Nice, nice socks yeah. but wrapped in a short story as wrapping paper oh see I love that oh my god I love that that's adorable that's it's like very two presents that's, in one I love that yeah well listen mm. best of luck with the writer's nook nice. let's definitely do a book club without yeah. a shadow of a doubt yeah. And thank you so much for coming on. And everyone can check out your stuff. We'll put some links in today's episode. But thank you for joining us on The Big Chat, Anna. Thanks for having me. And I can't wait to see more of what you're doing and just, yeah, chat more about it all. So watch this space. (laughs) Thank you.